Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast. It's April 24th, and I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and my co-host, Steph Walton, is in beautiful Oakland, California. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Kimberly. (laughs) I'm a little low energy today. I'm not feeling well, and I don't know what's... Oh, no. Yeah, it started yesterday, and I just... I was going to go work out and I had my little protein shake and um, I started to get a headache and a stomach ache and then I started feeling kind of weak and I couldn't work out. And then when I woke up this morning, I have like, you know how like you um, on the airplane when your ears kind of what, what's pop. It, pop or whatever. Well, they, they, get, like, they get full. Yeah, like, they filled full up. Expression or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so almost like you listened or almost like you listened to loud music for a long time and then you have that cloudy feeling in your ear. And it's funny because I told Bob and he said he had the same thing the other day. I don't know, maybe it's allergies, but um, I'm just, I'm kind of feeling a little weak today and um, just low energy. So there's that. Sorry. <laughs> and just, I wanted to let everybody know we had planned to talk to Dina Grayson today, but I postponed it because, um, first, thank you for every single person who um, donated individually and upgraded their uh, patronage to help us get a new computer because we did. We got one last weekend. And um, I figured that I, you know, bought it. I'll tell the little story. We went and we bought the computer and then we took it home. And on Saturday night, Bob uh, was working on it until about 10. And then he worked all day Sunday, again, until like 10. And he pretty much figured it out. And we got a couple more, uh, I don't know, parts and things that, you know, are needed. So now it's all done. So he figured out how um, I can do a recording on the other computer that we bought. And now I have to learn how to do it. So I figured I didn't want to risk having that issue that we had with uh, the feminist next door, who will be also coming back uh, probably in May. Um, with Dina, I didn't want to have, you know, all that set up and, and getting her ready, and then we couldn't do it. So um, we're just putting her off, and she was also very cool about it. And once I get this new system figured out, which shouldn't take too long, the problem is our schedules. We have to find time within our schedules, because this weekend we're both going to be busy and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so when it is figured out, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do the new the new uh, production, which is gonna be better, and we'll have our guests. So That's yay, rad. yay, yay, hooray! <laughs> and then also, um, just a reminder that Start Me Up is a listener supported show, and we rely on patrons to keep us going. So please consider supporting the show for any dollar amount. Just visit Patreon.com/slash/StartMeUp, and we're we're so grateful for everybody who's supporting our show. So grateful. So grateful. Because we, we have love so much it. Fun. We love it. And you know what I love? I love the interaction that comes through the interwebs with our, <laughs> with our listeners. Yeah. It's just fun. It's and just a blast. There's always Ziggy take. blue. Yeah. <laughs> Ziggy. Ziggy's Zig. always commenting and we love him, but we love everyone. And a lot of people, Andrew comments and Tim, the cat and Cindy McNary. Thank you all. We appreciate it. I'm leaving some people out because I'm, I'm on low energy today and I'm not remembering everyone's name and Amanda. So anyway, there's, there's a lot of people. Oh, so let's let's just get into it. What do you yeah, want? What do, do you, so. what do you want to start with? Well, I watch those CNN town halls in abundance. Oh, uh, yes. Actually, okay. Let me let me let me correct my my statement. I watched Elizabeth Warren, and was like, uh, is like shooting up off the couch yes. and going, yeah. It was like, it was like, <laughs> yeah. like my dad when he used to watch the 49ers. That's right. Oh, and like po- you know, like like pumping myself up. She was blowing my mind. Yes. Uh, I I had to get in the car. I listened to a little bit of Bernie and was kind of like yawning. It's like, dude, that isn't going to fly again this time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then I watched Kamala because you know she's my girl. Yes. And she was, she was great. She was great. But Elizabeth Warren owned the night. Yeah. In, in my opinion. And, and I love Kamala and I was an early adopter of Kamala mm-hmm. and I still, I'm still on board. And of course, you know, this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, whoever gets the Demo- the democratic right. nomination, I'm that's, that's who I'm voting for. But does Elizabeth Warren have my attention with her well thought out policies mm-hmm. and, 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 and execution on those policies mm-hmm. she's done. She's, she's paying attention 
to what people need. She's truly looking out for um, everyone. Yes. And she promotes equity among all members of society and, and, and stands by the, I mean, her credo is we got to look out for all of humanity, not just those who already have, have the opportunities and the privilege to Mm -hmm. get ahead. Yeah. Like let's, let's set, let's set the stage. So those who don't have can, can perhaps have someday. I love it. Yeah. I I only saw her. I didn't see every, anyone else. Um, I did read some opinions about each person, but uh, I, I was so impressed with Elizabeth. And one of the things that, well, there were a couple things that stood out and she was talking about when um, she was running for, I guess it was her Senate seat. So it could be something else. Pardon me if I'm wrong. I didn't, I, I caught it in the middle. So I don't know exactly who she, uh, what she was talking about for which seat she was running. But at some point, there were Democrats that suggested she run and they said, you'll lose, but you should run. And it just, it was so upsetting to me because it just seems to be the way of our party. It's like, oh, well, the women are going to lose, but they should run. And then they don't poll very well because they're women. And, you know, I mean, when you look at, I think we have a very exciting group of people and I'm including everyone in this, even the people that I'm not fond of. With the exception of Tulsi, I do not like her. I don't think she's exciting. But um, while I'm no big fan of Bernie, I do appreciate what he has brought to the table with a progressive conversation. I'm not such a big fan of him personally, but um, I do like the fact that he is making or, you know, when he ran in 2016, he brought all of these issues that a lot of these people are running on right now. Now, granted, Elizabeth Warren would have run on them anyway, because this was always her her stance. But what I really like about her is like, when I watched Pete Buttigieg on Rachel Maddow, um, he was talking about how he wants to make his um, campaign about values. I didn't hear it. But I heard that he had said at the CNN town hall that he uh, wasn't going to get into the minutia of, of the policy, which I think is a mistake for him to say that. Because what I see with Warren, is I see She's also talking about values and she has this spectacular way of weaving in her own values and American values with her policy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like the she was talking about her um, experience growing up in a middle class family and she couldn't afford college. But then she found um, a commuter college, which was like 50 bucks a semester or something. And that's how she was able to get her degree. And and because of her own experience, she wants to make college affordable for everybody. And um, I think that she has been able to accomplish what Bernie and Pete haven't and Pete's new to this game. I mean, he's not new to politics, but he's new to the um, to the running for president. And I don't want anyone to think that I'm bashing him because I am not. What I see in Pete is um, I see like promise for the future. I don't think. I mean, and he may well get the nomination, but. I, I feel that it's not his time. I feel that he needs to do some more, maybe run for Senate, maybe run for governor of Indiana, get some more experience under his belt, and then um, run for president. Uh, mm-hmm. I think what he does, though, is he brings um, he brings things into the conversation. And I think that's good. And so but you know what what Elizabeth does that Bernie doesn't do is create all kinds of policy. And so you know, Bernie talks about Let's have this and let's have that. But he doesn't show us how he's going to do it. She just shows us. So that's that's why. And it's like with Kamala. I mean, I I vacillate between who I I like more at any given time or would prefer. And right now, Warren's ahead. But, you know, next mm-hmm. week, Kamala could be ahead. I, I really like both of them. I like them both, too. Yeah. Someone put a picture of the two of them up together. And I just I I. It, it just warmed my heart to see them <laughs> smiling together. So I made it my my background picture on Twitter. Those two, those two wonderful creatures. Yeah, I oh. think I think um, you know if if uh, if a Warren got the nomination and won, I would love to see her make Kamala the AG. I would prefer to see Kamala as the AG as opposed to vice president because I think the AG could get more done. 
Could be. I mean, could I, be. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> you know, I was no, no, no. I, I loved that when you put that up there. I was like, yes. <laughs> but I just, I, I. It's time for women to lead, right? Yes. It's just, it's, it's time for women to lead. It, it was our time in 2016, and, and you know, we could, we could rehash that. We all know what happened there. Yeah. Um. It, it, you know, look what Nancy Pelosi's getting done in mm-hmm. Congress. Right. I mean, if that right there alone doesn't show you that experienced women are up to the task. Yeah. Then, you know, I don't want to have a conversation with someone who disagrees with that, honestly, because it's, it's just wasted words on me. My mind is made up. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I, I feel that I would want to definitely go with a person who I felt would have the best chance of beating Trump. But I also feel like um, so often, and we're, we're seeing this all the time, it's the idea that only a white man can beat Trump. Only a white man can beat Trump. And it's like, Hillary already beat him. Take If you just take out the Russian interference, she won. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, she won the popular vote. The Russian interference specifically, I mean, we saw this in the Mueller report, specifically targeted those battleground states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And uh, they were able to at least, con- I mean, just take out the idea that they actually changed votes at, in voting machines. Just take that out. The idea that they were successful in convincing people to either vote for Joel Stein or not vote at all or vote for Donald Trump. They were successful. So, um, you know, Hillary did win. And and it's I don't understand why we're having such a hard time. I really don't. Other countries have women who are leading. And and it's like, oh, you can't do that in America. You know, and it's it's pissing me off that Elizabeth Warren, who's, you know, she was the first one of the candidates to stand up for impeachment. She she has all these amazing policies. She's so smart. She's literally for the people. And she's leading the way on so many issues. And she's lagging in the polls. Why is that? It's because she's a woman, period. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not to say, you know, when I say anything critical of Pete Buttigieg, it's like I'm attacking him. And it's like, no, I'm not. I am demanding more. I like yeah. I like him and I like what he, I like his vision. And I think that he's really a good, um, you know, he's kind of like Obama and that he's a good order. He understands how to think on his feet. He's a Rhodes Scholar. He's an amazing human being. He's amazing. Yeah, um, amazing. And so I'm I, not don't, ready. I, I don't. I don't want him as president. I, I don't either. Right now. But like, for instance, um, there was an article in the South Bend Tribune that talked about, um, it's, it's titled, Buttigieg record with black Se- South Bend residents under spotlight, and then quote, he's got some work to do. So basically, David Axelrod tweeted that the crowd seems very large and very white and very impressive, um, but that's an obstacle he'll, he'll have to overcome. And it's, you know, so... There's a lot of black voters in this country. He's got to convince black voters. And obviously, uh, I, I mean, the, black voters basically decide, especially black women. They usually decide our elections because they show up and um, and they're prepared, man. They're they're passionate and prepared. And um, I think that they would vote blue no matter who. But still, he's got to he's got to be able to reach all the diversity, you know, there's so many, there's so much diversity in this country and he's got to be able to reach it. And I don't think it's wrong to point that out because he, he may not win this nomination, but he can learn and come back stronger. He can learn while he's on the campaign trail, campaign trail now and be stronger. You know, it's like, I'm sick and tired Mm -hmm. of seeing, like, I will criticize Bernie. You know, he, he's, he's running around screaming, oh, if you want to be a millionaire, just write a bestseller. But it came, you know, I was seeing stuff all day yesterday that he paid campaign money or put campaign money towards purchasing like half a million dollars worth of books. So shut the fuck up. Old, just shut up. You know, like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? Um, but, you know, he's different to me than someone like Pete or um, someone like Cory Booker. I don't think Cory Booker is going to get the nomination. But I genuinely yeah. like these people. I think I, that, I do too. Yeah, I think they're good people and they want to improve our country. I think they're patriots. And I don't think there's anything wrong with criticizing them because criticizing them is not attacking them. You know? Right. Right. Just, you should urge I, them. I, I, exactly. I agree. I, here's the thing with Buttigieg. I, everything you said about him is is true in my opinion. I mean, he's he's a brilliant person. He, he's, he 
served our our country. He was a Rhodes Scholar. Mm-hmm. He speaks how many languages? Five, seven. Yeah, I don't I know. There was seven um, or something. Um, he's he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's a public he's a public servant. He's there's undoubtedly you know capable, but I just don't think he's ready. I'm not I'm not yeah. ready for him to be president. It's a, I just don't think he brings enough firepower. I don't think he has enough experience. Yeah. This is no this is no joke. I mean, look where we are right now. We have a criminal, inexperienced criminal ruining our country. Not that Pete Buttigieg isn't a criminal, but he lacks the experience that someone um who's just been on earth a little bit longer has. Yeah. That's that's just that's my opinion. And then you you know, you could argue Look what AOC is doing at the age right. of 28. She's in Congress. Mm-hmm. She's in Congress. She's not running the country. Exactly. She's doing a fucking amazing job. Yeah, and Congress. she's she's getting that experience so that when she's she does run, right? yeah, and she will run. When she does run, she's going to have all that behind her. I mean, he, you know, Pete Buttigieg for eight years has run a, a city of 100,000 people. And that that is impressive. And um, But like you said, I mean, I think he's 37 years old. And I would just like to see him, um, you know, just get a little more experience behind him, get a, a little better feel for for how to address, like, inst- don't say things like, I don't want to get into the minutia of policy. That's what this whole fucking thing is about, the mm-hmm. minutia of policy, because it does speak to our values. I think that, you know, I think he's absolutely correct that we have to sell values because Democrats failed to do that in 2014 in the midterm election. Um, they did not talk about the ACA. They were too afraid to talk about Obama's accomplishments. And we got buried. We just got buried. We got buried in 2010 and we got buried in 2014. Obviously, uh, in 2020, we also got, or I'm sorry, 2016, we got buried. And that was for a whole different reason. But in 2018, we sold, I mean, granted, the 2018 election was definitely uh, about Donald Trump, with no doubt. But Democrats did run on all of these value Main Street ideas, economy, healthcare, mm-hmm. And I think that is really what helped push it over the edge, because obviously, we all hate Trump. And well, not all of us, but enough of us hate Trump that I think a lot of people would have voted anyway. But the fact that we had all these women of color and women and, and, and gay people and trans people and, and, and they got elected. I mean, it, it, was, yeah. it was such a, a big message to the country. This is who we are. This is the direction we want to continue to move, you know, to progress. We want a progressive country. And, and when I say progressive, I don't, I'm not talking about the labels. I'm talking about the literal word progressive. We want to continue to progress. And because we're diverse, we want, to, we want that, we want our government to reflect the people in this country. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's not to say that Pete doesn't, I mean, Pete's gay. And, and, you know, so, I mean, yes, he's a white man, um, which I'm not going to fault him for, but I'm not going to fault any white man for being a white man. What I don't like is the idea, in fact, um, the feminist next door said something like, I'm going to read it, quote, she said, nobody thinks that every white male is identical to the next, but they do all share white male privilege and and view the world from that lens. It's not about saying men are bad. Um, it's basically how they view things. And it's mm-hmm. from their specific privileged perspective. I have a privileged perspective. You know, I mean, I'm a white, attractive woman. So therefore, I mean, I've gotten out of parking t- or not parking tickets, but like speeding tickets. I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate. I've gotten jobs. I know because I'm an attractive white woman. And I don't deserve that privilege. Nobody deserves it. But recognize it and, you know, and call it out so that we can be more diverse. I guess is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, I kind of want to get into a, a little bit of something that's been happening, especially this week. And it's been frustrating for me. Speaking of older white men, um... I had posted feminine. Actually, I, I I saw a great um, tweet from Feminist Next Door, and and it was a it was about not all men, and I tw- I posted it. So this man who's an older white man, and he's been a little adversarial with me, but I've not been a complete jerk. But I've been okay. I'll let you have your say because you're not being a jerk, but I disagree with you, kind of guy. 
So I put this tweet up and he, or, you know, her tweet up on my Facebook page and he writes, move on. And I was just like, fuck you. So I did. I blocked him. And I posted that. I said, you know, some guy, an older white man told me to move on. So I did. And I blocked him. So then this other man comes on and he starts telling me that it looks like I hate men. He's like, I know you don't hate men and I know you're insightful, but you come across as angry and you're going to basically attract more bees with honey. I'll show you angry. (laughs) Or or flies. (laughs) Yeah, really. And so I was, you know, debating with him. I was kind of pissed and I, I was debating with him and then people were jumping in and telling him, dude, just stop. And he wouldn't stop and he wouldn't stop. And then this other guy named Tim, who I know, I wrote about this on my Patreon page. This other guy, Tim, who I've met in person. And I met Tim when I was at the 2012 We Are Woman rally. And I was giving a speech against the war on women, a feminist speech. This is how we met. So he tells me, oh, you know, Rick is right. Sorry. And I was like, what? And um, and so then he says to me, you know, you've just been more angry lately and I don't know what's changed. I had to unfriend you. And so I was just like, okay, bye. But what this brings me to, and then this is the last thing from Feminist Next Door. She tweeted something yesterday okay, that said, <laughs> what? Okay, bye. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I told him. Um, she said, Feminist Next Door said, Really tired of men treating women like shit and getting mad at me for saying so. And that's it. And it's like, okay, yes, we all know it's not all men. It's not all men. Uh, Not all men. We get it. We get it. So, but there are enough men doing enough shit that we're going to speak up about it. And then they get so hyper fucking defensive. And so I always think this privately. I, I know that there are people who see what I have to say and they think that I'm angry like but i'm gonna say ugly not ugly physically just my my words are ugly or my my communication is ugly like i'm hateful but the thing is is like i am angry i absolutely am and i make no apology for it i'm angry because donald trump is our president i'm angry because brett kavanaugh was um confirmed to the supreme court for life i'm angry because brock turner raped a girl and got a slap on the wrist i mean i can i can go for so, you know, hours mm-hmm. talking about men who rape women and they get charged and they get and, and judges determine, yes, they raped. But then they ask the woman, did you try to keep your legs closed? And then they get no jail time. I'm, right. I'm angry because men rape babies and I see it coming mm. down my fucking feed. And so I'm angry. Yes, I am. But I, I mean, I'm not like the the I'm not the kind of angry that is. um I don't know. I guess I am off-putting to some, but I feel like I'm justified in my anger and I'm not alone. But who scolds me on this? It's never ever ever women unless they're <laughs> unless they're conservative. Right. But it's never women. It's always older white men. It's always them. They don't yeah. like it. Okay, I'm going to take your advice. Okay, bye. <laughs> I mean seriously, I'm I'm sorry. You know, um People don't like to hear certain things that are are true um, when it makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it makes I think it makes certain people uncomfortable to hear things like, you know, I was told that I could get the promotion if I had sex with them, yeah. or this person came after a child. Um, it's reality, it's uncomfortable, it's disgusting. And unfortunately, um, it's at, you know, that those kinds of things happen. I mean, yes, there was a movie called Horrible Bosses where Jennifer Aniston's character uh, character was the powerful dentist who was uh, sexually uh, assaulting her male underling. Mm-hmm. But come on. I know. You know what I mean? Let's it, it, it makes men feel uncomfortable. They feel like they have to defend themselves when in reality, what they have to say is this is bullshit and it shouldn't happen. Yeah, that's all. Let us rage for a little bit. You, there was a great article in the Washington Post. I want to say it was yesterday about a woman who was saying, no, I want more of this feminine rage. Please bring, we can't stop talking about it or it just doesn't go away. People have to get uncomfortable. Sorry. 
Yes. Sorry, I'm going to say something that makes you feel uncomfortable. You know how uncomfortable I was when I was 24 years old trying to make a living with one pair of work shoes yeah. and I had to take shit from horny, gross men who were in power? I'm sorry. That made me uncomfortable. Yeah. We're going to talk about this stuff, okay? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and... And it's not everybody. It's, you know, there's, there's so many men. I, I will say that since 2012, since I started talking about all this stuff online, uh, it was harder in 2012. I mean, I even chronicled some of it in my book, American Woman. I remember in specifically I posted something. There was this guy that I was friends with, a, another older white man, and I really liked him. He was funny. It was when Romney was running, and every day he would um, post – when he woke up, he would post something about Romney and he was really sarcastic and it was really funny. And I, I genuinely liked him and we had a great rapport. And so I posted something one day about every, I think I said everyone or every man or something needs to read this. And it was just about rape culture. And it was about women who, when they're going to go meet a guy for the first time, like if it's a uh, computer date situation or whatever, all the things they have to do in order to get ready for this, they have to tell their friends, give the friends this guy's phone number, make sure that they're meeting in a place that's public so that they don't get raped and killed. I mean, the whole point is, and I've done this too, when, when I've met men online, uh, I would make sure that people knew who I was going out with. I would I would Google him and find out as much information because there was this thought in my mind that you never know. He might be a rapist. He might be a killer. Usually when men meet women online, they just get ready and go. And mm -hmm. so I made this comment on Facebook. Everyone should read this. And, and this guy got so offended. And he, he really started lecturing me. In fact, I, I put verbatim what he said in my book. I saved it because he was so angry at me, suggesting that, um, I don't know, that every, everyone needed to read it meant that no one was paying attention. And he, he made some comment like, you can bet if someone tried to rape my wife or my daughter, I would kill them. And it's like, that's the stupidest fucking answer I've ever heard. That is the stupidest fucking answer. It's like all these men are going to go kill rapists. It's not happening. It doesn't happen. That's just his emotional. Of course, he would be upset if someone he loved was raped. I don't doubt that for a minute. Uh. But but the answer to rape culture is not, oh, I would kill somebody who raped my wife. I mean, that, and then, I don't know, he wound up defriending me or some, something like that. And so there were several men at that time who didn't like the way I handled myself. And that was back in 2012. Now we're in 2019. And I will say it has changed significantly in that a lot of men are getting it. They've been listening. They have been listening and they're like, we get it. I, the only thing that I would complain about really about these men is they say, I'm embarrassed for about being a man. I don't think you should be embarrassed no. about being a man. I think that you're, you should be proud that, you know, you're woke, you know what I mean? And that you get mm -hmm. it. And then, and then stand up when you see shit happening. Or, you know, instead, you know, instead of some of these men are like taking their time to fucking explain to me how I should message. Why don't you instead of why are not why are they not going and posting positive things about women who, you know, women of color who are doing, you know, successful things. Instead, what they're doing is going and criticizing women. You're not doing this right. Maybe you should tone down. Maybe you should. It's like and then they don't understand why we get defensive and irritated with it. Like, yeah, see, see, you, you, you just don't get it, little lady. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know what I do? Hmm. I just, I, I just don't, I, I mean, I, it's not that I don't engage. Um, I, I cannot, let's see, how do I word this without sounding like I don't care? I care mm -hmm. because I, I care, but I care now by um, acting, right? Right. Like, uh, I'm going to make my daughter, I'm going to show my daughter badass women who do really cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, do you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, because I get, I, it, it's too, it makes me too, too angry. I love, I love reading the feminist next door. I love watching interaction that she has with men, just trying to explain it to them. I commend her because I would have flipped a table. Like I just, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and she's just so much more articulate. Yes, I can't she even, is. She's amazing. You know what I'm saying? So that's good. Like, I am so glad that there are people like 
like her out there, like you, you guys have been fighting for, for this for years and years. I mean, your whole ERA thing before it was chic, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I talk to people, I, did I here, here's an example of how, um, I deal with it. So I, I was talking to someone at a party not long ago. I'd come off of a day at Emerge, my, you know, my political training for uh, Emerge, um, in California and across the country trains democratic women to run for political office. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I come off and I'm high. Like I literally, my feet don't touch the floor. I'm exhausted, but I'm also like, yeah, you know, I can't (laughs) wait to tell someone what's happened today. And I saw someone that I'd known and I, we, we've had some good conversations in the past. I don't, I don't keep in touch with him. Like I don't have his number. I don't email him or anything like that, but I was happy to see him. And he asked me what I was up to. And I told him, I said, oh my God, I just came from this Emerge thing. And he's like, oh wow, so you're gonna run. He knew what I what it was and hmm. you're planning to run for something. I said, yeah. And he he said, why? Why are you gonna do that? You know, you're not gonna run against an incumbent who, you know, the mayor uh, told you that, that she's friends with him and, you know, how are you gonna get that done? Maybe you ought to figure out how you can further his agenda and get him not to run against you. And I'm like, you know, like, A, um, I'm sorry. I didn't ask you to tell me to switch up. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy to hear. I'm happy to hear what you have to say. And it's great. You know, he dropped, you know, I was in politics. I used to work for Willie Brown, blah, 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 blah. Um, uh, and then he told me at one point I was listening to him and I was, I was listening and I had my arms crossed not in a I hate you way, but like this was comfortable for me. I've been up since yeah. five o'clock in the morning and and here's I'm I'm hearing everything you have to say to me and then I'm gonna say something back. He goes, uncross your arms. Oh my god. I go, are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god. You're telling me how to stand while I talk to you as you tell me what's up? Oh my god. Uh, that's no. like mansplaining 101. So that that's the kind of thing that um, women deal with all the time. I am a 53-year-old woman. I am not a shrinking and a violent. mother. You've re- you're not, raising children. I'm raising children. I'm in my community trying to sort out what's going on inside the public school system in my very own district, something that my uh, opponent doesn't do. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to take an approach. Um, Yes, I realize this is going to be an uphill battle. Yes, I realize I'm running against an incumbent, but I wouldn't be doing this unless I felt that I am bringing something of value. And I have, I have, um, stories to share that might actually motivate somebody to, to take part, uh, in the community in a way that they haven't been so far. Um, I'm not afraid to go up against somebody who I believe as one of, as one of his constituents, I believe I have something to offer that he doesn't. Um, don't tell me to uncross my goddamn arms. (laughs) I just want to punch him in the fucking face right now. (laughs) See that. So that's the thing. Like you want to punch him in the fucking face. I'm just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to beat the man. You know what I mean? Like not physically. I am going to to cause an upset in my district because I'm doing my homework and I, and I feel truly that I have something of value to offer, but that's just, that's just something that women, you, you get it all day long because you have such a, a, a huge Twitter presence um, and you're willing to go up against that. You write about it. You're doing things that I just don't do, but I, I, I support. I'm going to do different stuff that maybe right. you, that you don't do. Right. But it's all, you know, it's all important because we all have different roles to play. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so, yeah. Well, uh, and, you know, the funny thing is, is I get less of, I mean, I do get it on Twitter, but more, more often I get it on Facebook. And I think it's just easier on Facebook because Facebook has a, a different feel to it. Um, when you're on Twitter, you can literally interact with the president of the United States. He may not respond, but you can directly address him. And so it seems to be this big, crazy town hall. And um, everybody's just kind of shouting on their soapboxes. But then on Facebook, it's something a little bit more intimate and you can be more um, descriptive because you're obviously allowed as many characters as you want. And um, so to me, it's it's slightly more personal. And that's where men feel they can um, 
tell women I mean obviously feminist next door gets it constantly because her entire feed is dedicated to feminism so and she it's like you said she's so articulate and she's able to distill some of the most complicated subjects down into one simple tweet that I I feel like I just want to bow to her I feel like god you just nailed it you nail everything she's so whip smart but um she obviously gets a lot of shit on Twitter because that is her her main thing. On Facebook, I get more of it because on Twitter, I'm all over the place. I'm feminism, I'm politics, I'm Trump, I'm a whole bunch of different things. And so, I mean, I'm even funny animals, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. it's just a big mix. But I, I, I have had men, I mean, there was a man the other day who... You know, I, I posted something on Facebook and, and I it was ineloquent. You know, I didn't take a lot of time with it. I just, I got my point out and I was moving on to something else. And I should have, yes, I should have written it better, but I just didn't. And this guy sends me an email and says, here, I fixed it for you. And he literally did. He fixed what I said so that it read better. But it was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Do you do this to men? I didn't ask you for your <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, it was like... Let me uncross my arms and type a reply. <laughs> uncross your arms. See, and, and we are bitching about men, but we're bitching about certain kinds of men. Because Can you imagine... Have you ever told a dude in a conversation to change his body, his stance? Or <laughs> no. wipe or, or smile for you? Well, you know, I remember there's this fantastic, everyone should watch this if it's possible, if you can find it. But there was a PBS special called uh, Ma- uh, Makers Women of America or something like that. It was three parts and it was just all about feminism in this country, second wave feminism. And there was, oh God, it was in the 70s and it was that big march in New York. And um, so I guess these women decided that they were going to turn the tables on men. And and talk to the men the way the men talk to women. Smile, hey, you got a nice ass, shit like that. And it was so funny because like the men fucking hated it. They hated it when women were doing that. And and it was like I don't understand why it's so difficult to understand. I mean, and when when here here's how it goes. Woman says something. Man comes on in a condescending manner. And either mansplains to her or puts her in her place or tells her what she should or shouldn't do or how to feel about her or what she should post. And then woman confronts that man, then man calls that woman a bitch. I mean, obviously, this this could go down with any any gender. You could have the same thing happening with two women. You could have the same thing happening with two men. But often, because I'm a woman, what I experience is that particular scenario where they push me. They walk up to me, push, 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 push. And then I say, hey, don't push me. Why do you have to be such a bitch about it? Why are you such a bitch? It's like, are you? F- <laughs> That's how I it feels. Think it's, I think it's funny. <laughs> Why do you have to be such a bitch? And that's kind you, of the, I, I mean, it's like, Jesus Christ. We Like I said. You know, I might be slightly more aggressive, although I don't think I I have always had my moments where I scream. I'm just like, God damn it, I'm going to post something and I'm fucking pissed. You know, and it's like I post it without anger. Other times I do it with a sense of humor. Other times I do it, you know, thoughtfully. Um, But I believe this is how I've always been. And there are days that I'm more frustrated than others, depending on whatever's going on in my life, depending on whatever some stupid commenter is saying to me at that particular time. And, um, you know, I don't know if I was different in 2012. I don't think I was. But if I am, it's because of what happened in 2016 specifically. It's because of what happened in 2010 uh, leading up to 2012, which was the Tea Party getting in. And then 2014, watching us lose everything. 2016, watching us lose everything. And all these rollbacks. And, you know, I mean, just one thing after another. So, of course, I mean, it builds. The anger, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's that whole... um, there's that quote that well-behaved women rarely make history or something. You know, there, there was also, and I still have to see it, and I can't believe I haven't seen it, but there's that movie Suffragette. And um, I, I know from the trailer that somebody said something, women threw like a firebomb or something like that into a store, and the man said something about, why do you have to be violent? And she goes, violence is the only language you understand. 
And it's like, exactly. I mean, not that I want to be violent. I don't. But sometimes you have to raise up, raise yourself up to the idea that you're going to offend people who are um, in a, who are privileged and mm-hmm. they're not used to being confronted, especially older people. And the reason I say that is because um, what was acceptable, let's say, back in the 80s and 90s is no longer acceptable. Right. right. And so... And and let's also, I mean, I'll speak for myself, not not to cut you off here, but I did things that were unacceptable, that yeah, are unacceptable by today's standards. Yeah. And I and when we learn from those mistakes, it's like you know we've all done and said things, and I'm not talking that you know with with you know uh, where you know we've not raped people. Right. I mean, like these are. There, there's a, there is a very hard line, right? But we've said gross things. We've probably told off-color jokes. We've behaved poorly. We've gotten drunk and flashed our boobs. Oh, okay, maybe that's just me. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, stuff has happened. Yeah. And but when we don't, if we can't learn from our errors and from our mistakes, then then we still have some growth that that needs to take place, right? Absolutely. That's absolutely it. I mean, I I heard from so many people, including people in my family, that when when the Biden um, touchy-feely conversation was happening, you know, I was scolded, this is how it was in the 90s. It's like, great. Well, it's not the 90s anymore. Right. It's not the 90s anymore. It's not, um, you know, we're also, we also, discrimination isn't legal, theoretically, (laughs) anymore, right? Right. I mean, there's just a... We, we have so much work that we still have to do. Um, but, you know, we, that's why we have to um, stand up for um, when, when people are, are telling women, uh, uncross your arms, give me a smile, uh, what's the matter? Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, I just, I, I won't have it. I won't right. have it. I'm raising my daughter to not have it. Um, it's just, I'm raising my son to not have it. My, my husband is raising our children to not have it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's progress. Yeah. That's, and that's, like, I mean, I think, it is, uh, yeah. I think when you're, when you're coming from a different time, you know, like I'm, Gen, we're Gen X. So there were certain things acceptable in Gen X culture that no, no longer are. And it is very easy for the glib Gen X generation to roll their eyes and say, oh, my God, this is so dumb. And, you know, like PC culture is going too far. Well, I do feel that in some cases PC culture goes too far. But what I also think is, OK, you know what? These young people, uh, I ha- we had our time. Not that our time is over, but we had our time as young people. And and we called those shots. We decided that, you know, how we were going to be in when we were in our 20s and 30s and even 40s. And now we're in our 50s. And it's not it's, I'm not saying it's over because, I mean, obviously, boomers are still having a huge say in how everything is. But it's time to kind of step back and let the next generation decide how things are going to go, what the yeah. social norms are, whether or not I agree with them. I don't have like I look at so many millennials and I, I, I feel like. You guys are, I don't even get your generation. That's not a criticism. That's just because I come from a different generation. Our generation, you know, was just a completely different mindset. And we didn't have as many, we didn't have this PC stuff. We were not PC at all. In fact, sometimes we pushed it too far, but it was acceptable at that time. It doesn't mean it was good and people were getting hurt. But we didn't yeah. understand it. Now we're like, oh, we get right. it. And we're waking up to that. Some people, though, want to hold on. And it's like, stop trying to hold on to what used to be because everything evolves. And just because you don't fully understand it or you don't fully like it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter if I don't like certain things that millennials want to do. It doesn't matter because they're the ones who get to call the shots. They're the ones who get to define who their generation is and define where our country is going. And yeah. I fully give it to them, yes. you know. And so, I, I mean, I'm still, gonna, I'm still from that generation that's going to laugh at things I'm not supposed to laugh at from the movies of our time. You know, I mean, I recognize, I read, I think we might have talked about this before, so I don't want to spend too much time, but... You know, the whole idea of Long Duck Dong and 16 Candles. I read an article about how that was, how that would never fly today and how, um, how 
Asian people are offended by that. And I can understand, but at the same time, I feel like, well, I laugh at the dumb blonde jokes and maybe I shouldn't, maybe not all of them. But I mean, there are, there are caricatures of dumb blondes that can be funny. I think that it's important that we laugh at ourselves. I think we need to be humble as a species and not take ourselves too seriously. Um, I don't think we should punch down on other people. I don't think we should punch down on oppressed people. And, and truthfully, the funny thing about the Long Duck Dong situation is even though I laughed at that character, when I was growing up, the stereotype for Asian, especially Asian kids, were that they were like smarter than everybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it was not a negative um, way to feel about them. It was like they were the ones who did their fucking homework and got the good grades. And that's how I saw them. I, d I didn't see them in any kind of a negative way. And, uh, but, you know, I get that, all right, you have a character like D Long Duck Dung, that's going to be offensive to Asian people because they don't want to be, you know, they don't want to be portrayed that way. And so I get it. I totally understand. And I wouldn't yeah. expect that people would make movies today with that kind of a character. But at yeah. the time, that was what everybody laughed at. And we all thought it was funny. And I can go back and watch that movie now. And I can still laugh with the understanding of like, okay, that's not really going to fly today. Right. You know, I hate as, as a, uh, when I, um, gosh, when I was younger and I started realizing that kids would were racist <laughs> or they were being they were being taught that it was okay to make racist comments I don't yeah. know that I don't think kids are inherently racist no. I think it's all taught of course I mean yeah. who is it's all part of it's you're a product of your environment you choose to go that way or you don't you choose to call it out or you don't unfortunately kids often in my case and in, in the case of my 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 experience and my brother's experience we were called Beaner mm -hmm. um, when kid, you know, our last name was Dominguez. Yeah. So, and we're brown. Fuck. You know, like it, it, you, you look at us and go, oh yeah, they're that that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, they're 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 Latino. Although people didn't say that, people just said right. Beaner. Yeah. Um, that was really hard. Yeah. Because when you're a kid, you you don't understand why somebody is doesn't like you because of what you are mm -hmm. because what you are because of your ethnicity and the color of your skin and the, your last name. And they tell you that you're dirty or they, you know, it, it, I used to just, I mean, it was so hard for me when we moved from Southern California where, where we were being called beaners on a regular basis. Like by the time I was in middle school, um, we moved back up to the Bay area, which is where both of my parents were born and raised. And I was like, oh, thank God I can finally get away from those kids who are saying that stuff to us. And uh, my very first day at my new middle school, I was uh, I moved at the semester in eighth grade. My first day, I was sitting in my art class and there was this girl, Robin, I can't remember her last name. I wouldn't call her out by her whole name. But anyway, I just I remember her very distinctly. And she was like holding court, talking about these filthy beaners and I'm just like oh my god no it's day one it's like my no. second class at my brand new school I can't I can't I can't I can't and um I remember the you know I just like I I was I died inside yeah. you know what I mean like I, I just wanted to curl up I didn't want to be there I had left all of my friends I was uh I think I had just turned 13 yeah. And I, you know, it was horrible. I, I immediately went to the nurse's office day one. Wow. I don't feel well. I want to go home. Oh. Um, and oh, that's the, so sad. Yeah. And it was sad. It was horrible. And Mr. Shanahan, the beautiful, um, principal at the school or vice principal at the school, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to put you with a girl who she's been here since sixth grade. She knows, she knows the ropes. She's going to be great. And she was lovely. And she took me around and she asked me to have a sleepover at her house. And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. And yeah. during that sleepover, she was telling me about cholos. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, God, 
damn it. <laughs> oh, God. Can I, can I just get a fucking break here? <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was fine. You know, I she wasn't... But, but that was just a conversation that she wanted to have with me about yeah. these bad Mexican kids. Right. And I'm like, I just, you know, and I had to cut her off. Like, I had to be done with that. Yeah. I had to be done with that relationship. And then I found other kids who then, you know, kids were making fun of Asian kids. Right. And and, and throwing racial yeah, epithets kids are terrible. out there. You know, I didn't want to use those racial epithets. I did not, like, I don't, I just don't want to go through my life like that. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a kid. Yeah. I like all kids. <laughs> I think the Japanese boy at my at my table in my science class was a total babe. Yeah, I, I had I had a crush on yeah. uh, Joey, the Japanese boy, and he called me a slut. <laughs> well, you know, I was uh, only I was thirteen, and I was like, yeah, you're, you're a slut. I just I didn't get that it wasn't. Um, I I just I didn't want I didn't want any of that in my life, and I wanted yeah. so much to just not have that be a thing. And so, but it was a thing. Yeah, it was a thing, and and I'm sorry to to dwell. No, but no, it's no. not. It's not, you know, my kids, there's, there's no thing there now. We live, That's we live good. in a place where let's embrace it. Let's, yeah. let, anyway, sorry, well, you know, I, didn't, I, I didn't mean to go on no, about that. No, don't be Jesus. sorry. I mean, when I was uh, in eighth and ninth grade, I had an opportunity to go to a school there where I was in the minority. Uh, the majority of students were Mexican and Asian. I don't know what the numbers were, but it was mostly, and, and the Asians were everything, you know, Japanese, North Korean, South Korean, all kinds of Asians, um, and then and then obviously a lot of uh, Hispanics and basically Mexicans. I, I believe there was, you know, maybe a few people from Puerto Rico or some, even though that, that's America. But I mean, you know, I'm just saying that in general, there might have been some Spanish kids, but overall it was Mexican kids. And I think those two groups were the largest groups. And then after that would have been um, whites, whites and blacks. And so I don't know what the percentage was of white people and black people, but it was very low, maybe 10%. We're both of us in that category. So, you know, 5% black people, 5% white people. And the interesting thing about that, though, is never once did I feel, I only kind of real, I mean, I guess I realized it at the time, but it wasn't an active thought that I had. It was just, I mean, we lived in Silver Lake, California, which is uh, like very urban Los Angeles city and mm-hmm. um, obviously very diverse. And I, and I know that I recognized that most of my friends were Mexican or Asian or whatever, but it wasn't like this thing that I actively thought about. I didn't actively think about it until I got older. And, um, and I thought, wow, you know, I had that experience. But the, I think the difference for me was that I imagine, you know, when you're a black person and you're, or you're a Mexican person and you're going to like a school or a workplace or a mall or wherever, where it's the majority of white people, you really feel it. You really feel, oh, okay, everybody here is white and I'm not. I well, yeah, and then and then people say shit, so you feel it all. You day feel it long. even more. Uh, but you know, I didn't get that. I I was privileged that I was a white person, and I still didn't even feel out of place. I didn't, or 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 even feel like, oh, I'm like one of the very few white people here. Nobody came after me because I was white. Nobody said things to me because I was white. Nobody. You the mean o- you mean the, the Mexican kids didn't call you out for being white? They did white? not harass me. The only oh, thing. Oh my god! What's funny though? I did. The, there was this one girl, and she was a chola because there in my school there were there was the stoners and the cholos, and they were at war. So my school, the uh, the stoners <laughs> they went. <laughs> they were. They would always fight each other, and and they were like the literal gangs. And then we had the people that went to my school were the kids of these people in these gangs. So in my school. The, the stoners were the ones we had the stoners and then there was the other school I don't remember the name of it but there were the cholos were there so there were always fights and um and I hated that I remember one time I had I was coming home from walking home from school with my two girlfriends and there was a fight between the stoners and the cholos and in in LA there are are all these like uh stairs that just outside stairs that take you up to the because uh, there's hills and so the stairs take you up to the next level so this we were going to go up to Sunset Boulevard we were on like the lower part of I don't know what you would call it, but we needed to take the stairs. So we sat on the stairs high up and we watched this fight. And I didn't want to watch the fight. I never liked fights, but my girlfriends wanted to watch it. So I stayed with them for a little while until this guy pulled out. uh, And these were teenage. These were like fucking preteens, maybe 13 years old, 
14. They were young. And so they're all fighting. And this kid pulls out a board with nails coming out of it. And he oh, starts swinging around. So I'm like, I got to go. I, I can't a take this shit. A board with nails. Where did he pull it out from? He had it. He had just, you know, he, had, he brought it with him because Jesus. they had planned this fight. Anyway, so there was this there was this girl oh my in my school who was a chola, and she was very very pretty. And I used to stare at her all the time. And she had she had the uh, full on like feathered bang, you know, feathered hair, and and the the she had that kind of I don't know what you would describe it, but that line on her eyes, you know, like the eyeliner that at the time represented with what, like the cat eye. Yeah. Kind of like that. And, um, but I would always stare at her because I thought she was really, really pretty. And, um, I was in many classes with her. I was used to her. There was nothing about her that scared me or upset me. I just thought she was pretty. And so I, one day I was in the hall and I was a total fucking geek. I mean, I was kind of chubby. I was really tall. I had my thick glasses and I was not yet really aware of how to present myself in a, in a, in a pretty way. I just was kind of a ragamuffin dork. And, um, and I really was, I was, I was in my total awkward phase. I had an awkward phase and I was like right in the center of it. And, and she was cute and pretty. And so we're in the hall. Cause like, it was like in between, it was either like right before class started or something, the bell had, had rung. And we were the only two in the stairwell in the hall. And she came up to me and she fucking pulled a knife on me and she told me to stop staring at her. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. And I, I mean, I remember like freezing and not knowing what to do. And I just, I guess I just said like, oh, okay. and then that was it. And she didn't, she just left. And, and frankly, I don't think she would have ever stabbed me. I think she just was showing me her power. And, oh um, my but, Lord. but, you know, I mean, I, I take, a, I always look back on that and I think that was the one and only time of the two years that I went to that school that I and it, I, she didn't pull a knife on me because I was white it was just because I got on her nerves and I, I don't know if she I'm, I imagine since she was carrying a knife that she she did this before to other kids but it was like the first time I was ever even aware of oh Okay, I got to be careful here because there are certain oh kinds of kids in the, and it's sad to me. I mean, I did I remember I went to that school and I and I liked it, but then when it was time to move on because it, th- this was a school that was 7th, 8th and ninth grade. So I was in ninth grade, I graduated, it was time to go to high school. And the high school that was in our district was Hollywood High. Hold and on. It, hold on. That was middle school? <laughs> yeah. Oh shit, dude! Yeah, and so then at the time, fucking Hollywood High is on—I guess it's on Hollywood Boulevard—and there were literal at the time literal like pimps and hookers uh, walking the streets, and they were across from the school. And I was like, I told my mom, no, I my mother was never going to send me to Hollywood High, but I told her I will not go. I will go live with dad in Maryland. I can't go. So she moved us to uh, the beach and I went to school at the beach and I loved it. But, you know, I was terrified to go to Hollywood High, especially because of the neighborhood that that school was in. Freaking hookers and pimps. (laughs) You got to love L.A. (laughs) Holy man. I do. I really do. But I I appreciate the fact that I, I, you know. One of my best friends was, I think I've told you about her, it's Lourdes. She was, she yeah. had four kids and her brother had four kids and we all hung out and they were, I always called them my Mexican family. They took me yes. in like I was their family. So it's like LA gave me such an appreciation for diversity. Yep. I love diversity. I, I, I never really, re- I never was able to really articulate what I had longed for my entire life until I came here, mm-hmm. until I came to Oakland and saw it. And I, and I, my son interviewed me for his English class. He did an oral sort of a kind of like, how did I come to be? Mm-hmm. And he interviewed, it was to interview one of his parents and he picked me for that, Aww. which I was honored by. <laughs> um, but he said, why did you come, you know, how did you and dad make the decision to come and stay in Oakland? Cause that's how kids talk. Where do you stay? <laughs> um, and I said, I said, well, dad and I were dating and we were living in the city. Um, and where, what city? San Francisco? Oh, sorry. San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we talk here. Yeah, in San Francisco. <laughs> and I loved, I loved San Francisco because I, I kind of, you know, I, I became a, like a successful career person in San Francisco and kind of did it on my own. And it was a really, it was a growth period for me. 
Um, and then I, you know, I got sober in San Francisco. I met my amazing boyfriend who then became my husband in San Francisco. So De- uh, Zach and I are new in our relationship. And he said, I want you to come with me to go have dinner with my cousins. And we're going to go eat at this place called Zachary's Pizza, which is legendary hmm. in Oakland on College Avenue. And it's in the neighborhood of Rockridge, which is d- kind of down the street from University of California. Right. So he takes me there and I had gone I had been to Rockridge a couple times with my brother who went to Cal, but like I didn't really resonate with me at the time. And I'm like, ooh, this is cute. This is quaint. This is neat. It's kind of, it's it's not, it, it's it's outside of a of super urban, but it's close enough to San Francisco and it's close enough to downtown Oakland, but it's, it's neat and there's some flavor here. And we ate at Zachary's and it was like the greatest pizza in the whole wide world. And I loved his cousins and oh my God. And I said, I want to live here. And we, when we eventually got engaged and had our kid, our first child and came to Rockridge. And so I was telling my son, Jess, this story in the, in his interview of me. And I said, and one of the things though, like when I realized, I I couldn't really put my finger on it. Like, oh yeah, this is why I love Rockridge until we actually were living here. And he was a baby and I had him in the stroller and I was getting coffee at my daily coffee place to this very day, 14 years later. And there I, I, every morning I would put my son in the stroller. He's 10 months old and we go down to cold coffee and there was, I, we often cross paths with this very handsome, tall white guy with, um, a biracial daughter. And the little girl was probably two or three and they would be in line getting coffee. And maybe we were there already having our coffee or we were in line behind them. And I just looked and I was like, Oh my God, this is why I love Oakland Mm -hmm. because Everywhere you look there, there were, um, there were, you know, mixed race couples and, and kids whose ethnicity, ethnicity you couldn't really pinpoint and everybody was kind of hanging together and it was beautiful. Right. And, um, as, as it turned out, we, you know, we'd see this man and his daughter on the regular and then my son starts going to the super ethnically diverse French American school in Berkeley and who is his kindergarten teacher? that dude. Wow. That's awesome. And, and, and Mark ended up being like this really important person in my kid's upbringing because as, as luck had it, my daughter got him too. Wow. And so he's, you know, he's been there since day one in our lives, just sort of peripherally. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden here he is. And now I've got a high school student and it's just, it, 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 it's amazing. Like I, I love that. I love, I I only want that in my life from now on because Mm -hmm. it's just made me a better person. Yeah. Well, you know, I moved up to Santa Rosa after living in Los Angeles and while it's an absolutely beautiful part of the country, I don't know that you could get more beautiful than Northern California. (coughs) Excuse me. It was very white and it wasn't diverse. And I, I, you know, moving back here to the East Coast, I do appreciate, I mean, boy, I remember it being diverse, but I mean, I, I visited here, obviously, to, to see my dad every Christmas and summer. So it's not that I'm unfamiliar with the area, but now that I'm in it and really living it, um, I mean, where I live is incredibly diverse. Uh, there's Muslims and Mexicans and black people and white people and Asian people. So I feel more comfortable in an area, I, I never feel comfortable in an area that's all just one, you know, whether no matter what it is, whether it's all white people or all Mexican, I would prefer to just be in a diverse group because that's where you find the most interesting people. Yeah. You know, it's like cultures blend and, uh, I, you know, my, my friendships have always been um, with a variety of different people. And it's funny, though, I angry black lady had tweeted once about um, how white people can do better and one of the things she said was to be friends with black people and and I thought to myself with the exception of you and Bob I really don't have any friends anymore I mean I I have friends but they all live far away you know they live in California um, and I don't get to hang out with anybody so it's like right now I'm just basically hanging out with my family and um, and I feel like I feel like she's right I feel like my experience growing up in Los Angeles, I and even in Baltimore when I was young, my friends have always been diverse. I've always had 
white friends and Mexican friends and black friends and Asian friends. My best friend in eighth grade was, I actually I couldn't even tell you what she is. She was Asian. I know she was some kind of, it was in North or South Korean. I don't know. But I used to hang out. I used to spend the night with her all the time. And uh, we would have so much fun. And so, I mean, I just, I remember being a kid and not even, it's not to say that I didn't see color because I hate that stupid phrase. But it's like, I don't know, people were people. And it's like, you like who you like. So um, anyway, we've, I love it. We've, yeah, been, we, yeah. we've been totally focusing on the subject, but we got to go over to end another thing. Oh, geez. I know. Oh, geez. Um, we're, I know I'm going to talk about a couple of things. I'm going to talk about something I wrote about called The Other Kind of Girl, which is about a girl who um, basically said I was the kind of girl that men fucked and she was the kind of girl that men married. And uh, Ooh, I have oh. to, uh, yeah, that was kind of nasty. And Who then says um, that I know. And then I also want to talk to you a little bit about um, the show Girls with Lena Dunham, because I'm watching it again for the second time. And I think there's some interesting things that we should say there. Oh, but, God, um, you're so much deeper than me. All I'm doing is watching Game of Thrones again. <laughs> I'm not deeper. I'm not. I haven't. I've never seen Game of, Game of Thrones. Maybe one day I'll give it a try. I know. I know. I know. God. I know. Okay. Bob watches it. Oy. But um, but so I just want to catch everybody up too. Uh, I'm not exactly sure um, when I'm going to have this new system down. It's not going to take me very long to learn, but it's just like I said, a matter of time uh, before Bob and I can sync our schedules and he can teach me how to use this new production system. Once we get that going, we're so solid and golden. Um, it may take a couple of weeks. So um, you and I... Bear are, with us. Yeah, bear with us. And I think you and I are probably going to do a show together uh, next Wednesday. And then I think you're going to be away. And so I may do... If I have not yet learned the system, then I'll just have one guest on. And uh, we'll just be real casual and cool. But eventually we're going to we're going to get back into our groove of having guests. And I think what we're going to do is probably do two guests a month um, interview shows. And then we'll have, you know, whether, you know, you might be on one of those interview shows and you might be just with me one time. And if you're not available, I'll get someone else that we can just chat like this. We're just going to be real loose and, and figuring out what everybody likes. So I'd love for everybody to let us know what kind of shows you, you're really digging. That would help. Yeah. Right. Because we, uh, we're here to serve you. We're here to serve you. <laughs> oh, my. All and right. Then, let's then, rock and roll. Yes. And then uh, don't forget to follow us on. Don't forget uh, to follow. Uh, this is my, you know, can I, can I, you're like serving it up for me. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, here's my part. Okay. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. <laughs> I am at Lady Brain Show, and Kimberly is at author Kimberly L E Y. Yes. And and we love your comments. Please please continue to give them to us. Yes. Um, so we can interact with you because we adore you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. And then I'm always going to be putting on the show description and a place where you can send individual donations if you can't be a regular patron. So. Sometimes people like to only send a one-time thing or they because they can't afford to on-goal, so FYI. Anyway, yep. all right, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and have a good week. Woo.